Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampman, and I got a special guest with me, Miss Christy Trammell. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I know I've been wanting to do this for a while because we've always made that and we've always had decent conversations. And I wanted to start off quick because you are in the education field. It seems like a lot of people are talking to are teachers. How did you get into it? So it's funny because I didn't want to be an educator originally. Um, I actually wanted to own a hotel or a restaurant in like the islands. And then um, my sister Keisha went to Towson. So I applied there as well and they didn't offer that. So I asked um, my grandmother and my sister about teaching because I remember they always talk about they always talked about like how fun teaching was. They always just had positive stories. So once I talked to them a little bit more about it, they kind of inspired me to become a teacher. And that's how I became one. That's where I am today. All because of my sister and my grandmother. So you didn't even want to, so that wasn't what you grew up wanting to do. No, not at all. I really wanted to own a restaurant in like the Bahamas or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> why? Why the Bahamas out of all places? Out of because I love the water. I'm a Cancer, so water makes me happy. So anything near the beach, I just would have been extremely happy. And I'm also a people person, so you know anything where I get to talk to people, I um wanted to do that. However. Well, really, and education also allows me to do that. So I love it. It's, um, it's the best decision I ever made. Wow. So, I mean, it's always great to hear teachers that motivated because that's what those students need. Yes, 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 definitely. Because if but, you're not motivated, like, it shows. And the kids know as well. But you're not, now correct me if I'm wrong, you're not in the classroom right now though, correct? So you are correct. I am currently an instructional coach. Um, this is my fourth year out of the classroom. And as an instructional coach, I support teachers as well as administration and student achievement. So I do a lot of work with data. I model lessons for teachers. I plan lessons with teachers anything so students can be successful and then i also work with administration so that we can make decisions for the school so that it will help you know all of our students be successful in whatever they do so do you miss the classroom a lot yes <laughs> i do what, what do you miss about it the most because it seems like this i mean the, just the what do you miss about it the most i don't want to assume anything so i miss the relationship with students um, and I also miss things being within my control, which is probably, <laughs> probably something within my personality. Um, when you're outside of the classroom, you don't necessarily have the same relationship with students. You don't have as much of a, you don't have, well, you have that, you have that ability to make an impact, but it's not as direct as it used to be as if I were in the classroom. So in being in the classroom, I would have direct relationships with students direct impacts i can definitely help them succeed not only academically but personally socially like i would have that opportunity to know the whole child because i was with them all day every day whereas when i'm outside of the classroom yes i have that opportunity to have a big impact because 
you know, I can teach teachers a new instructional practice and they can implement it and the students can be successful. However, I don't necessarily get the opportunity to see that success in person. Whereas when I was in the classroom, I did it. And plus being outside of the classroom, I don't really have as much opportunities to build as much relationships with students. So I do miss it. I definitely miss it. So what is the most rewarding thing about being a teacher besides summers off? (laughs) (laughs) Which are much, much needed. Um, I definitely would say almost what I said before in terms of impact, just that ability to change a life, to influence a life is what gives me chills, is what gives me joy. I have a solid, I was in the classroom for six years and I've been out of the classroom for four years. However, I still build relationships with students. Um, I have a solid like three students who I still keep in contact with to this, to this day. (laughs) And, you know, one, I definitely feel like I, I made a positive impact on her. Thank, you know, of course, thank God. Um, she's in college now. Her and I still talk. We're friends on Instagram. She has my number. I have hers. Like she has definitely, and she directly told me, you know, I don't know what path I would be down if it weren't for you, Miss Tramel. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, I've changed the relationship with my mom because of you. Like she said so many positive things that just made me realize, like, this is why I love teaching. You know, you have that possibility to impact a life. And granted, sometimes it can be frustrating because, you know, for me as an over-optimist, I want to impact every single life. But I had to realize that, you know, sometimes you might not be able to impact everyone, but you can do the best that you can. Um, Even with me being outside of the classroom, I try to make an impact. So I still tutor. I tutor one-on-one. I just started tutoring a high schooler. Um, I started tutoring as well um, another um students so i still have that possibility that ability to make that impact which is why i love teaching you can see those changes it's just so exciting to have those relationships with our future and i just i feel so passionate about it if you can't tell (laughs) yeah is there is there like a certain age you prefer like that you feel like um you 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 establish better relationship like do you prefer um, upper class like elementary school is there like a preference for you yeah it's funny you say that so when i first started off i wanted um like the upper students so like what more intermediate like fifth grade and uh, or fourth grade and then i applied for another school and they offered me a sixth grade position i was like oh no that that's too much for me (laughs) however i was a sixth grade teacher for six years and again it's so funny because it's something that i didn't want to do and i ended up absolutely loving it like Sixth grade, I know most people are like, Crystal, you're crazy, but those are my babies. I love them. I love it. Um, As I've become an instructional coach and I've had the opportunity to be outside of the classroom, I've actually developed a love for primary students as well. Um, I love second grade, first grade. I will say kindergarten is kind of my cap, (laughs) you know, like incidents and you know, vomit and all that. That's that's not really my thing. <laughs> but um, I feel like for the most part, all of the grades is also funny because I just recently started tutoring an 11th grader in reading and I love it. He's so sweet. So I just, I really like all grades. Kindergarten is probably the one that will push me um, out of my comfort zone. But that's it. Just because they're so young. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. So let me, I want to stick with education, but I'm always having these conversations with different people. And I, and because you're in a classroom and you're, and I think you have experience with different counties. So I'm going to ask you, do you think there's like segregation between the have and have not as far as education goes? That's a good question. And I had to think about, I have to think about that. I mean, it's a tough question as well. I have worked in the public school system for 10 years now. And I personally feel like education is what you make it. I have tutored students in a private school setting and I see the things that they bring home and I don't necessarily see it of quality. I think at the end of the day, it boils down to the teacher and it boils down to the parent. And it has to be a great parent-teacher relationship, just like that old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? So you may not have the means um, to help your child succeed, but what are some things you can possibly do to get your child where they might need to be? Um, when I think about the haves and have-nots, there are times when I see that, and it's extremely frustrating. Um, I do work in a different state. I work in the state of Virginia, which is, oh, very interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are times when I see, yes, the haves and have-nots, and it is very frustrating. I'm not quite sure if it's magnified for me because of the school that I'm currently at or if it's because of Trump's administration. But, you know, my school that I'm currently working at, it is 50% um, low income and the other 50% they are high income families. So it is a clear division down that line of things that they have access to, programs that they have access to. However, it really is on the principal, on the teachers, on a lot of factors to have those students who do not have access to give them that equitable access. So, so with the funding that we're given, like we can make after school programs so that they can get additional practice or, you know, additional practice with a strand that they may have difficulty with. Or if they don't have the clothes that they need, we can make drives so that our students can get access to it. Like there are things that we can do to make it more equitable. However, there are times I don't see it. And I do. I, it, it really, really frustrates me. So I, I hate to say it, but I do think it is very have and have not ish. The fifty. So, so let me get this straight. Your, your school, you said, can be broken up like 50-50-50, like some have it and some don't. Yeah, it's just the population of my school. So where we where we pull students from, um, some of the students in our neighborhood, um, they are very well off, very well off, and then okay. the other fifty percent, they are in the lower income um, neighborhoods within Virginia. But we pull from that neighborhood as well. So how how would you say the relationships with the students are? Do the do the do the students as kind do they kind of like stick with their class or do they kind of when I say class like economics like do they kind of like stay with the half or do they kind of like in a mix? It depends on the student, but for the most part, they mix. I mean, you know, in they. Children see differences. However, it doesn't really phase them until their parents start embedding that within them. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they still, of course, talk to each other. It's not nothing, you know, major where, you know, there's a huge difference and students really notice it or they make a big deal of it. They still talk to each other. They still, um, of course, like we set up structures where students can all have um, an opportunity to meet more students. Like there's not a situation where it's like completely segregated, if you will. However, um, there are times when, you know, of course, they're going to be students who want to be friends with and sit by somebody that they can relate to, you know? Right, right. Um, and sometimes they have a tendency to do that as well. But to answer your original question, yes, they do, you know, they definitely mix with other students and have that opportunity. Cause I, this, is, this is where I was going with it because I always get it, me and my wife, we talk about it a lot because we look at different neighborhoods, we would be interested in moving in. And charter schools always come up. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of charter schools. And mm-hmm. the, reason, the reason I'm not is because I don't like I don't like the setup. Like I feel like they take first of all when you look at where the charter schools are at, they're always in like lower income, predominantly black areas. And mm-hmm. it feels like what they do, they take the best of the best and and they take those and they just leave the other students in public school. And I, me personally, I feel like you should have you should have students that, that, you know, that's motivating, pushing you. And if you take in all the elite students, then who's there to push, you know, who's there to push you? Yeah. Which, again, that goes to, it goes to the parent and the teacher. Like, the parent has to know that class. They have to know their student, and they have to know also how to push the, their child. And the teacher as well should be, should know how to push that child so that they can be, um, you know, advanced, extended upon, I'm sorry, extended beyond what they're able to do. Like they have that um, productive struggle within their classroom. Right. And thinking about what you said with the charter schools, it can be a little frustrating. Um, again, I, I think it's because I haven't worked in a charter school. I don't really speak on it as much. And the only thing I can speak for is public school because that's all I know. And I, okay. it's probably a biased opinion because <laughs> that's all that's I, fair. you know, that's worked fair. at. But I am totally pro-public school. It's funny because when people tell me, and it's been a few times, but, you know, they tell me, oh, well, I want my child to go to private school. I actually get a little frustrated and upset because I'm like, public school is great. I see amazing teachers in public school. I've seen, I'm a product of public school. And I've seen, I know, amazing people who are amazing products of the public school system. So I, I'm a huge public school advocate, probably because I've always, always worked there and I'm also a product of it. But I, I, I think public school is amazing. Charter school, there's probably some pros and cons to it. But based upon what you told me, eh. You know, just, I mean, just look at where they at. Like they only like you. You said you're in Virginia. If you notice, there's not charter schools in Virginia. Not mm-mm, really. Mm-mm. They're only in areas where you know the schools have low rankings. That's where they put them. Yeah. It just seems like I don't know. It seems like I could be reaching, but it seems like America is slowly moving away from free public education. You think so? It's just yeah, just just little, just little ways. 
Like you may not have to pay for it, but you pay for it in different ways. Like, I mean, just look at just look at where we live. Like, if you live in a nice neighborhood, the schools are better. Now, again, let's be clear: the parents do. The parents are the biggest factor. So let's get yes. that out the way. Let's, let's let's go ahead and get that out the way. Definitely. And, and when you go to a, a, a you know more fluent area, chances are both parents are educated. They have good careers. So that's the factor too. Mm-hmm. It but, is the socioeconomic status is a huge factor. Yeah. So, but I but the reason I say I think we kind of just look at what I mean. You mentioned Trump. Uh, okay, but whatever. You measure him, yeah. And just look at the just look at the little changes his uh the the the, the lady was trying to make within the education. It's like little subtle changes that if you don't watch it, you're gonna end up paying for school. It's ridiculous, and that's but that's what I'm saying. Like, when, okay, I wasn't saying that, but I just feel like there's so many, and this might not. Okay, including education, but other things which will probably get off topic. There are so many things that I have noticed with Trump's presidency that has magnified <laughs> for me. Like, you know, racism, um, segregation, you know, prejudice acts. Like, there are just so many things that I've noticed that, I mean, it's just, again, I feel like it's just magnified with his presidency. And it bothers me tremendously. Like, it just, it kills me. Yeah, like you said, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. I know, be, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, look, it's not to apologize for, but it's just like, it's certain, it's certain topics, once you go down there, yeah. we'll be talking for another two hours. Absolutely. But to answer, I will say this to answer your question about education. There is inequities within education and it complete it hurts me to my core and it's something that I'm actively working on at my school. I know it's something that needs to be worked on at my school. It needs to be worked on nationwide with regards to the inequities that happen in the public. I, and again, I can only speak on the public education system, but there are inequities in discipline. There are inequities in how students are treated. There are inequities in how students are responded to with regards to their behavior. There are inequities with regards to homework assignments that are given. There are inequities with regards to the way teachers teach. Like there's a lot of inequities within the classroom. And, you know, I will say I'm very grateful to my mentor who became a um, equity lead within the county because we've started to have those uncomfortable conversations, specifically at my school, around inequities and how we can become more equitable with our practices and what we need to do to start changing it. Because the things that I see, it it really enrages me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I want to, we're going to transition to something that could be fun or wild depending on how you look at it okay you from you from the you from the dmv so i wanted to talk to you about the dating scene oh the what dating you, scene what are, what are your what are your impressions of it so i find the dating scene to be a roller coaster but a good one like i i enjoy roller coasters so i will say that there are ups and there are downs the dating scene can be fun 
the dating scene can be frustrating. It can be forgiving, whether it may be you forgiving that person, even if they apologize or not, or you may have to forgive yourself for something you did that's not really, you know, who you are as a person. Um, dating can be enlightening. It can be lessons learned. Dating is a lot of things. And I will say that, you know, I've been on some great dates. It didn't work out and I'm okay with that. I've also been on bad dates and it lasted longer than I expected to. But all, all in all, like, I have grown so much just in dating and I'm enjoying this phase a lot. Like if I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about it because with every single date or person that I've dated, it's a lesson learned. So I, I have an optimistic view on things. I really enjoy it. It is a roller coaster, though, like I said, because there's sometimes I'd be frustrated, like, what, what is going on? What is what's the fun? What's the frustration? What's, what's the biggest frustration? Did you mention that? What's the frustration? Mm, that's a good question. I think the frustration is, hmm, me having an expectation of something and God telling me not yet, or clearly showing me not yet. So like, like what? Well, I mean, like, yeah, I need to know expectation. Like what? An expectation that is going to like like this person might be the one for me. An expectation that you know this person might be a special you know might be special. However, I w I do pray often when I meet somebody like you know God, if this person is for me, please keep him in my life. If this person is not for me, get rid of them. And God surely finds a way. <laughs> Whether it may be you know, some, something that, that the dude does that just bothers me. And I'm like, no, I can't live with this for the rest of my life. Or it may be something that, it might be something I do. He might, he might ghost me. He might just move on to another joint that you know moves quickly i don't it's a lot of factors that tie into it but i think that's the frustrating part like you know you i have high expectations um and sometimes if those expectations aren't met that's the frustrating part are the expectations too high that's a good question i don't think so for myself no i don't so what are I they because i, I want to so. what's what are they that's him <laughs> <laughs> okay, my expectations when a dude is dating me or when I'm dating, like, expectations with regards to... Dating. Let's start with dating. Let's start okay, with dating, expectations that's, that's with regards to dating. I, I do expect the dude to take the lead. Like, I am old school in the fact that I feel like if you're, you know, I, I believe if you're interested in me, then you will take the lead on, you know, suggesting dates or anything to, anything you can do to see me. Um, of course, I would have to give that same energy back, but I do expect the dude to take the lead on that. If he's, if he's interested in me, he'll let me know through his actions and through his, through his words, but most importantly, through his actions. Okay. Um, that, that's not a lot. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's the biggest thing. Communication, of course. Um, you know, if something's wrong. You have to communicate it. I would also, I do expect that. Um, I expect respect. I, I believe I deserve respect. As again, I would give that same energy back. Um, what else do I expect? I you think expect those are like him. the basics, you know? You, you expect for him to pay for the date? If he suggests the date, then yes, I would. But if I suggest the date, then I will pay for it. 
so okay, so if you so if you meet a guy, let's okay. Does he approach you? You approach him? Does it switch? Like if you see. If you see a guy you like, do you approach him or you try oh, to wait for him to no. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's not, I'm just bad at it. I'm not opposed to it. I am just, well, let me not say that I'm working on my words. I am growing in that. So it's funny because like last year I met this dude and like he was a friend of a friend. And I was just like joking with him. And at the end of the night, he was like, oh, so can I get your number? And I like was really looking like me. Are you are you talking to me? Because I didn't <laughs> think <laughs> that he was interested in me. Um, but the thing is, I had no intentions of approaching him at all. So it's and even when I try to approach a dude, like I'll just compliment like a shirt or like, oh, your shirt is nice. It's just I'm not as I'm not you know, I can't I'm, I'm growing in my finesse. I'm growing so, in it. <laughs> well, let me let me say this because I'm 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 old. I'm 39. So my my thinking is I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of women approaching men. I'm old school. Now, yeah, me too. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of a woman like throwing you your throwing a hint like, hey, I'm interested. Like she like I, this is me. My personal opinion. If you are a man, you're interacting with a woman. If you are the woman, the woman is always going to give you signs that she's interested. Exactly. You know, her body language, eye contact, all that stuff. That means she's interested. Yep. So you just ask her a little feed of questions to see, okay, where is this going to go? Yep. If, if so, if she answers the questions the way you want, like if she if she answers the questions and it's like you can build on that, cool. But if she asks, if you ask her something or you approach her and it's quick and direct, she's not interested. So you gotta move exactly. On. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a, like, I, I don't think, see, I, I think the times have changed so much that women are, times have changed to the point women change how they conduct themselves. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Like, I think a man looks. If you like a woman, you need to let it be known. That's my opinion. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I say take the lead. You know, like I well, it's clear that I like you. I will definitely show that through, you know, how I communicate with you, things I might say, how I might look at you. Like you will know if I like you. And once I throw you that alley oop, like I'm expecting <laughs> you to take the lead. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you either go dump the ball or let the ball go. Yeah, either shoot your shot or not. <laughs> but that's the thing. I do feel like some dudes, they do expect more women. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. But there have been times where I've like definitely thrown an alley-oop and dudes been like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. I, I tell people all the time, I couldn't. In this day and age, I could not be single. It is too much dumb shit out here for me. <laughs> like, I could not be single. You got dudes out here Dutch dating and scared to approach women. Then you got yeah. women women telling you what, like, like women planning. Like, okay, I'm not a big planner, but when, when I first met my wife, like, I wasn't... I just knew I wanted to be around her. 
I didn't know what the I didn't know like I didn't know what the hell we was gonna do. I just knew I wanted to do it with her. Yeah. Like it That's like so if she if she suggests a movie, like ironically I was talking to somebody about this at work today, because we was talking about dating. And I was like, Well, uh my wife suggested a chick flick when we first when we first met. It, I think mm-hmm. it's a chick flick. This movie called Serendipity. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great fucking movie, but I still think it's a chick flick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so when she suggested it, I was like, um, it, it could have been anything. I never even heard the movie, but she was like, hey, can we go see Serendipity? Oh, you know what? Damn, let me back up. That's not, the, that's not the first movie we saw. I lied to somebody today. That's not the first movie we saw. That was like the movie when we was starting to get serious y'all yeah, was that's getting what it is. serious serious yeah that's when we were starting to get serious okay so so let's just fast forward so we was getting serious at this point so she suggested this movie i didn't really want to see it but i was like you know what hey man this my chance we're on a date cool turned out to be a decent movie but okay. I, I say that to say if you if a man is interested He's gonna find a way to make time. Like yep, you, you got, they got. Like, I see people saying, "Oh, you know, he he uh he called me. He called one day. Then he waited like two, three days to text." Yeah, like what? Like what? What is this shit y'all out here doing? You don't understand, and that's what I was saying. Like when I say that, um, it's exciting and frustrating. That is one part of the frustration part, but that also goes back to when I said my expectations. Like I do expect you to communicate. So, yeah, that is in thinking about the frustrating part. That is one thing. Like you know, the the texting versus calling or DMing. There are a lot of um, uncertainties or like. Like, you have to learn that person and see how they best communicate or I'm going to talk to you on Facebook Messenger. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, people, I, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I'm not in this generation. <laughs> this generation. <laughs> but I will, again, like, I do want to say it. I've learned so much about myself. And <laughs> I've learned a lot about what I do want and what I will not tolerate. And when I say it's exciting... I enjoy the opportunity to get to, you know, meet other people. I enjoy dates, you know, that I've been on some bomb ass dates and granted it didn't work, but you know, I do appreciate that experience that I had with that person. Okay. Um, and I also like just in this time of dating, I've learned the difference. I've learned a lot about myself and my singleness and I've learned the difference between being lonely and alone. And I've learned that in being alone, there is peace, there's serenity in it. Um, and I, I could positively say that I'm not lonely right now. There's probably yeah. 10% of the time where I get lonely and I'm like, oh man. But then the other 90% of the time, you know, I find peace um, at where I am right now. And I use this as an opportunity to know that, you know, I'm just grateful for this peace. And knowing that, you know, when God sends me the man that he has for me and we have a family, it might not be as peaceful as it is right now. So I'm enjoying this peace as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, let me let you know. It won't always be peace. Yeah. So that, and no that's what I, you know, because I do, to be very transparent, like I pray for, you know, a 
my husband to find me the husband that God has for me and to have a family like that is in my plan in life so I know that that might not be at well it's going to be peaceful but not the type of peace that I have right now so I'm just enjoying this peace as I you know as much as I get right now well you look this is the thing so you going the reason that listen it's all about working together like so I've been married 16 years and mm-hmm. I'm just starting it just like really starting to figure things out as I get older and I'm still figuring things out but mm-hmm. the peace thing like it won't always be peace because you gotta remember it's two people coming together as one right so you got you got his interest her interest like her her personality his personality they don't always vibe love languages all that type stuff so Sometimes the water's gonna be troubled, but you know, it, overall, it's a it's it's a great experience. Like absolutely, yeah. This um sermon that I watched by Pastor Michael Todd, he talks about like dating, being single, um, before you meet the person, then he goes into marriage and stuff. And one thing that he talks about is, you know, be comfortable in who you are in your singleness. Because if anything, once you're married, that magnifies your singleness. Like you see, you know, your significant other sees all of your nasty habits, all of your annoying, you know, traits that you have that you are comfortable with in yourself, but that's new to that person. So, you know, it, it's, you have to be comfortable in who you are. And again, like when you are married, yes, it does magnify your singleness, if anything. But I've also had to realize that um, I saw this really great post on Instagram. It was like a couple of months ago, but it said, stop being obsessed with this um, idea of destination. Like, you know, when I I get one job and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, when I get this next position, then I'm going to do this. Or now that I'm single, I'm like, oh, when I get married, it's going to be great. Like, I have to stop thinking that when I get to the next destination, it's going to be great and it's going to be better because that only leads to disappointment. I know that any next destination that God has for me is going to be work, period. And it's going to be, but it's going to be something that helps me grow. So that I say that because it makes me think about marriage. I know that marriage is going to be work. I know that, you know, it's going to be a friendship that magnifies and blooms into something awesome. However, I know it's also going to be work. You know what I mean? So when those troubled waters come that you speak of, I just have to, I have to be prepared for those troubled waters that may possibly come. Does that make sense? Yeah, because they coming. <laughs> <laughs> let me let you, no. let me, let me let you go. Hey, I come. But that's but that's all a part of that's all a part of life. Like you gonna have your exactly. challenges. Like me and my wife, we we had challenges, but like we love each other enough, we got through them. Like we exactly we we, we we love and respect each other enough. You get through them. But this, this is like oh, I'm gonna tell you something that irritates the hell out of me. <laughs> and I know some people are going to get irritated that I say it or may get mad. But I hate when I see people saying relationship goals. Oh, oh my that, gosh, yes. That gets on my damn nerves. Because, but I can agree because you don't know what that relationship is going through, you know? Man, listen, you can listen. Uh, you can post your you can post your life on social media. All I'm showing, like, all you doing is showing people the good. Like, exactly. exactly. You just showing people the good. Like, 
it's crazy. Like, I can remember times in, in my marriage, you know, things wasn't going great, and I'm still up here posting pictures, you know. And honestly, you don't even realize you're doing it. It's kind of like right, you subconsciously you're doing it. Yeah. And then once me and my wife got into a better space where, you know what I'm saying, where we, like, we could be, because I'm going to be honest, a lot of it was my fault. I'm just going to be mad mm-hmm. enough to say a lot of things was my fault. Just, mm-hmm. you know, just not knowing who I was as a man, how to communicate. Right. I, I brought a lot of trouble that wasn't necessary. Right, but, right. But once I figured out, like, how to conduct myself, how to communicate, man, like, Anybody that follow me on social media, they'll they'll be like, damn. Like I used to post pictures all the time. We doing this, we doing that. It's like, but you giving people a gateway to your life. Absolutely. And it's like you kind of gotta you gotta let that go. So yeah. Now and, and let me be clear, I have no issues with people posting pictures. That I don't want. I don't want nobody read what I'm saying, hear what I'm saying, and mm-hmm. get it misconstrued. I think it's mm-hmm. great. You gotta, you know, you gotta make you share things. That's great. But I've been married 16 years. I already been through that phase. Right. <laughs> so, that phase is done for me. That that showing mm-hmm. my wife, man. They, I think everybody know what my wife looks like now. So yes, I, yes. I don't need to post the pictures no more. Like it's just, it's just about now. It's just about. Going out and genuinely enjoying the moment instead of worrying yes, about being about, present. Yes. Yeah, instead of worrying about getting the selfie right, and you know, it, it's cool. And again, I'm not knocking nobody to do it because if you feel if that's what you genuinely feel and that's what you want to do, by all means, and I support. It. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, I'm past that phase now. Yeah. So, I, and I'm I not totally looking at. And, and, and even people like I've had people say like, oh, like look at me, like at me and my wife, man. Oh, that's relationship goals. Nah, man, it's really not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we 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 in a good space, but you, your goal should just be every day to be the best husband, the best wife you should be. That should be your yes. goal. Yeah, it ain't. <laughs> you don't gotta keep up with me, my wife, none of us. If, as long as that woman or man you with happy. That's your relationship goal, right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. This this is kind of weird question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Okay. Because you 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 on you on on the woman side, you're on the taller side. Do you think that affects the dating scene for you? Because you know everybody say men like women that's five four, five five. You know, shorter women. You think that's a factor for you? For me or for um any for people? And for women. Well yourself. Let's just speak for yourself. For yourself. <laughs> Why are you gonna ask me? <laughs> you knew well, I was gonna ask. <laughs> I will be honest. Um, I hate to say it, but yes, it is. I have tried to date someone who is shorter than me and I, I'm going to be very transparent. I felt I feel very vain even saying this, but I just I I didn't really enjoy like I had to like kneel down to kiss him. Like I was like, okay, I don't really, I'm not really liking this. Like I just felt. <laughs> I and granted, he was an he's an and he still is an amazing person. I just personally did not enjoy 
dating someone shorter than me. I will say though, I felt very conflicted because I'm like, okay, Crystal, you know, at that time he was, you know, he was showing great qualities. Now there were other things that I knew that I can't deal, couldn't deal with for the rest of my life. So it didn't work out and that is fine with me. However, um, yeah, I don't think I could date somebody shorter than me. I tried. Now I could date <laughs> someone my height. I could date someone taller than me, but you know, it's fun. And I say this, it's funny because you know, what if God got somebody for me? He's like five feet. <laughs> like, yeah, what if? What if the show made us five Well, we're going to be sitting down a whole bunch then because. <laughs> <laughs> I Wait, mean, it, it, I always find that. I don't know. But it's funny because I think about men and like, he, I will say again, that guy was at that time, he was very secure, so he didn't mind me being taller. If anything, he loved tall women, and a lot of secure men they don't care about height. Like, I, my, I well, I'll speak for myself, I've gotten approached by you know men shorter than me, and they don't care at all that they are way shorter than me. They shouldn't care, they can't control it, they can't, yeah, and they don't <laughs> care. Is I will just I can only speak for myself. A preference is definitely either my height or taller. So why? I need to know why. Because a lot because of a lot you, of women feel this way. But why? The kneeling down to kiss you was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is not this. This can't be life. No, I can't. Uh, this cannot be life. I think, but I think also height sometimes. As long as it's somebody that's taller than you, I think that has a connection with feeling protected, you know? Um, and so if some, if ideally, most women want a man who they feel protected around. And if the, the man is like either their height or a little bit taller, then they'll feel a little bit more, you know, protected and, and shielded, I guess. It's kind of weird because the height, like you could be long and linky, but if you kind of like medium height with a good, you know, good body frame, I think you'll be more safer with the shorter dude with the larger frame. With the well, there's some short dudes out here who got they real quick with it. They could fight real quick. <laughs> like, yeah, that's He's quick. We, so we ain't talking about the, the we ain't talking about the Napoleon dudes because they they <laughs> damn I'm talking about just somebody that's like average height, you know, about five nine. Because <laughs> that's I mean that's average height for a man, it's like what five nine, five ten, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. I just it, it just always baffles me. Like women be like, well, he got to be at least six feet. Why? <laughs> well, okay, but I will say when I see short women with men who are six feet, I'll be like, dog, that could possibly be my husband right now. You, 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 taking, you taking my potential bait right now. That, that's what you're doing right now. I'll be so honest, you, but, you, so know, you want them to stick, you want to stick with their own kind, huh? Stick with your own kind, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And, and the crazy thing is, I'm not short, so it, it doesn't bother me. It's just weird. Like, like I always see women with first they the first physical attribute they list is he has to be at least six feet. He gotta be I, tall. God, I, damn, like, I know. Wow. I, know. I, know. I mean, thank God I don't have that issue. But yeah, 
Y'all rub on them short dudes, man. Yes, I do. But those short dudes got a lot of love to give. <laughs> Look, your, your soulmate about be maybe like five eight. Oh man, <laughs> James. <laughs> he could be five eight. Mm -hmm. I, I don't just think totally dismissing them. <laughs> And don't say you don't think because you don't know how the Lord works. So stop. I know that's what I was about to, I was about to say. I, <laughs> I know you was about to say call for me. <laughs> I know what you was about to say. That's why I stopped you right in your truck. Because <laughs> all y'all women say the same thing. Mm -hmm. God wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> I'm about to ask Sierra what her prayer was so I can find, see if she asked for somebody tall too. But actually, I think Russell Wilson is shorter. Russell Wilson is like 5'10". But he's shorter than Sierra. Well, she be wearing heels. It, wait a minute, Russell Wilson shorter than Sierra? I don't know. Actually, let me let me double check. Let me double check. I don't think I don't think Sierra that tall. And let me fact check that one. <laughs> First of all, what difference it make? Russell Wilson just signed a four year, one hundred forty million dollar contract. That is true. That she man could be. Look. That man could be five two and everything will be okay. Hell yeah, <laughs> she don't care. She's good. She is good. <laughs> Because if you gave me his contract, I'll trade my height immediately. Mm. <laughs> I, yes. For, for $140 million, I'll be 5'1". <laughs> somebody somebody going to love me. <laughs> somebody will. I will find somebody to love me at 5'2 if I'm making that kind of money. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm going to get at you out of here on this. What is the biggest accomplishment you're looking forward to achieve moving forward? I am looking forward to creating memorable experiences for myself. Whether oh, wow, that, that may be... What you say? I said, that sounds great. That was a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> whether that may be traveling more, um, spending time with the person, the significant other that God has for me, um, excelling in my career, growing in abundance. I'm just looking forward to creating more experiences, positive experiences for myself that are memorable. Um, my biggest fear is regret and living a life of regret. And I intend to not regret anything that I do and just continue to create experiences for myself that are positive, memorable, and just fun. Wow. I think that's a perfect way to end this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I definitely enjoyed you coming on, and I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. You made me and, think uh, really hard. <laughs> look, that was the goal. I don't. I won't ask you nothing that's, that's not going to make you think. I mean, yeah. If, if it's that, you, you know, we I got to keep people, you know, passionate and upbeat. Otherwise, yes. it's just a waste of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a, I want to thank everyone for listening. And for those who want to follow me on Instagram, my name is Jlan827. I don't know if you want people to follow you on Instagram, Chris. I don't know. Sure. My name um, on Instagram is Chris in the city. It's K-R-Y-S-I-N-T-H-E-C-I-T-Y. 
Chris in the City. And okay. um, although I'm private, because I don't want all my students following me. So, but if you, you know, <laughs> if you request me, then I'm definitely going to accept. <laughs> and I'll follow back. <laughs> wait a minute, look, look, hold on, wait a minute. Don't, don't tell everybody you just accept their friend request. Okay, that's I don't mean something there, everybody. That's where I have a hundred weirdos. Right, <laughs> eggs. Oh, gosh. I got stories for days around that, too. <laughs> well, again, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you, James. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right, and thank everyone for listening and take care. Bye.